Hello, welcome to Raising Me. This is a podcast where we take some of the challenges that we face while raising our kids straight to the experts for help and pause for some self-reflection too. I'm your host, Adrian Stein, and today we are talking about bullying. Frankly, I don't know a single kid who hasn't been bullied at some point in their life. As a parent, it is gut-wrenching when your kid comes home hurting. And for some kids, this can have long-lasting consequences too. So we're talking about today the types of bullying, identifying when it may be time to step in and how to best step in. Plus, what do you do if you find out your child is the bully? We're going to talk about that. And I really hope you'll listen until the end because that's when psychotherapist Tana Gabler, who specializes in helping children and adolescents, explains the researched-backed strategy that not only helps to prevent bullying, but also leads to raising the most successful adults. Let's listen. Tana, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, this is a big topic and a big concern for a lot of parents. And the reality is, is many kids, if not most kids, are at the very least teased at, at some point in their life. So how do we differentiate between teasing and bullying? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, most kids, it's terrible, but it's almost like a rite of passage to go through that. Um, but bullying is certainly a separate matter. And that is something that we take seriously. Um, and not not to say that we don't take, you know, teasing seriously, but bullying can have really long lasting harmful effects for children. And so when you're kind of wondering, is this bullying? Is this teasing? The things you want to keep in mind are Bullying, usually there's like three components that we think of with bullying. And the first one is that there's usually some kind of perceived power differential. This is going to look different depending on the age of the child. For little kids, this could be like the kid who's maybe more verbal versus like a kid who's not as verbal or a kid who um, plays, you know, in a different kind of way. Uh, as the kids get older, this can be popularity, money, whatever, the power differential um, that we can see this kind of take all different forms, but there is a power differential. The second thing that we're looking at when we're talking about bullying versus teasing is that there is an intent to cause harm. So it's not done kind of accidentally. There is, you know, a motive behind it and that bully is trying to cause harm or try to cause distress um, to the victim or the, or the child that they are in directing their bullying towards. Um, and then the second, or sorry, the last thing is that it is repetitive. So this is not a one-off incident. This is not, oh, Sally can't come to the sleepover. This is continual happening over the course of weeks um, or months or years. And bullying isn't just physical in nature too. I think that that's important to remember. There are some perhaps subtle forms of bullying and some not so subtle forms of bullying. So what does that look like? Oh, yeah. Bullying is, you know, it can be emotional. It can be verbal. I think especially now with the use of technology, it can be, you know, online, on phone, in chats, on Facebook, TikTok. It really can be in any any medium, any platform, any way that these three criteria are being met. So verbal, emotional. And then obviously kind of the thing we all think of with the physical bullying. This has been around for generations, probably not going anywhere. But have you in your years uh, working as a therapist noticed any 
trends or differences in the type of bullying we see today than maybe we we did years ago? Well, I think kids um, have found ways to do it maybe smarter, more subtly than in the past. So like with the use of cell phones, I think, you know, being able to exclude or bully or hurt in a way that parents can't as readily notice with, you know, technology. So I think in a lot of ways, it's morphed and bullying can almost be harder to detect now because people kids have picked up on kind of more subtle ways, more ways to keep it kind of under wraps in in certain circumstances. Um, I think when so much of the world went online during the pandemic, so much of the social world of these teenagers and kids also went online. And when that happens, there's just less parental and less adult oversight. And there's more ways for kids to unfortunately, bully one another um, away from like kind of the stare or the, you know, supervision of adults. You bring up a good point, just being in the COVID, post-COVID world. Have you noticed an increase in any way in, in bullying? You know, you're, you're, we're seeing more online, but is it just more prevalent today? Yeah. I mean, I would say what I'm what I'm hearing from school social workers, what I'm hearing from my clients is that there is just kind of a rise in meanness, mean behaviors, kind of unkindness in schools. And I think a lot of this is coming from aftershock of just all this hurt that has been unattended to and all of this chaos and kind of trauma, really, that's been un that hasn't been healed yet. Um mm-hmm. And really not knowing where to put these feelings, a lot of the times scared comes out as mean, right? Like when you don't know the right, the healthy way of coping with that or really sad, really hurt can come out as mean and angry when we haven't really been able to name that feeling ourselves. And without having kind of parental or adult support, a lot of these kids are left kind of their own devices of they're discharging these emotions that they're feeling, which are really kind of starting out as hurt, sad, confused. And I think a lot of the times they're coming out as bullying and mean behaviors in schools. So what I am hearing in my personal practice anecdotally is that the meanness level and just like the kind of chaos in school has just risen exponentially. There's significant impact in that and that kind of behavior, not just short term, but also potentially long term. Let's talk a little bit about both the short term uh, effects that bullying can have and also some of the potential long term effects bullying can have. First, the short term. Short term, when you're talking about someone who's been bullied, decreased to self-esteem. I mean, that's short and long term, but decreased to self-esteem, feeling socially isolated, being ostracized, feelings of self-doubt. This long-term can morph into depression and anxiety. Um, at the most extreme ends, suicidal ideation, risk increasing risk of suicide, and just can have a really long impacting effect on the, the self-view and the way that a child perceives him or her or themselves to be. How, as parents, then, can we help to empower our 
kids to handle bullying situations, particularly in the moment. And I think there are two parts, you know, helping them in the moment deal with a bullying situation, but also sort of having that time at home to reflect and how will I handle it different going forward. When we're talking just about like kind of the base level of how to protect your kids, um, even like before the bullying happens, is you really want to start building like empathy language and feeling language in your house. And we can start this from the time kids are infants, right? Like reading books and pointing to pictures. Oh, Sally looks so sad in that picture. You know, I wonder what happened to Sally. And this this is giving them, um, this is allowing children to get a different perspective. It's called perspective taking, and it's a really invaluable skill. Um, and it is a skill. It's not necessarily born, um, something you're necessarily born with, but it is something that you want to teach children that other people have other thoughts and other desires and other, you know, motivations and the way that we teach that in books or sharing stories. And it's really encouraging kids to get out of their own perspective and take the perspective of someone else. That's one of the most important things families can do to build empathy and build healthy relationships in their children from the get-go. When you're talking about a kid who has already experienced kind of mean behaviors or bullying, um, the first way you're going to handle it is probably going to be the same regardless of if it's bullying or if it's, you know, less severe in nature and that we just call like mean behaviors. So you just want to sit with your child and you just want to connect with them on that feeling. I tell parents to not go into that overreactive like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened kind of state because you're giving your child the message that maybe something's wrong with them, that this is catastrophic, that this can't be handled. When in reality, it's terrible, it's awful, but it does happen. And you don't want your child to start thinking that internalizing that there's something wrong with them. And that's why it's happened. So take a deep breath. You don't need to like swoop in and fix it, right? Even if that means saying, you know what, I I really quickly have to go use the bathroom or something just so you can collect yourself to take those deep breaths and remind yourself, this is going to be okay. Like we are going to get through this. And then making sure that you are connecting with your child in that moment. No, I I mean, sometimes kids can be reluctant to share this with their, their parent or caregiver. Absolutely. And I think the more reactive you are as a parent, the less likely your child is going to want to come to you because it's saying, oh, this is overwhelming for mom or dad. Like, I can't share this with them. So the more you can kind of approach it as like a calm co-pilot, like we're going to figure this out together, the more successful I think your child will be in coming to you in the future. And to that point, I think it's also really good to say to your child, like, I'm so glad you're sharing this with me. Like, I really, you did, you're doing the right thing by talking about this with me right now. And let's talk about it because that probably felt awful and really allowing them to share that experience. Is there ever a time or do you think parents should ever go to the parents of the bully or the kid who is mean being, you know, teasing or exhibiting the mean behavior? Yeah, I think that's a tricky situation. So I think you really want to gather information from your child in this kind of first step that we're talking about. So this connection piece. 
I'm so glad you're telling me. Tell me more. I want to know what's going on. What does that feel like for you? How long has it been going on for? You know, really gathering as much information in this kind of connection stage as you can, because that will allow you, one, to kind of really be with your child, sit with your child in that feeling, which takes away that aloneness and so much of bullying and meanness leads to these feelings of aloneness and like social estrangement. So when you as the parent are like, we are in this together, it bolsters this level of resiliency that you can't, that just doesn't happen if you don't have like another presence kind of infused in that moment with you. If you and your kid have problem solved a little bit, like what's something that you could try? What's something you could say? And your kid is saying, I've done this. I've said this. I've told them to back off. Like we, my kid and I have role played like a situation and nothing is working. And this is continuous. I would say then, yeah, you do want to get the school involved. Mm -hmm. Schools don't, you know, a lot of parents are like, my kid's being bullied. My kid's being bullied. So schools are less likely to engage with a parent who's super overreactive in that moment. So it's important if you feel like your child is being the victim of a bullying incident for you to come to your school and say, you know, I don't really know the whole story, but I do know this is what's happening for my child. Do you, does this teacher know, or can I work with this teacher? Can you connect with this teacher? Maybe they know a little more what's going on. Get some more information about what's happening. If it's true that there's real bullying, then you do want to get the school involved. You want to get the teacher involved. I think it kind of depends on your relationship with the other child's family. If it's a close family relationship and you feel like there's a conversation that the parents can have together in a healthy way, I think that that's totally appropriate. However, if it's a family that you've never dealt with before, I would go to the school first. I would see through the teachers, through the principal, schools. If if a if it is true bullying that's happening, schools are pretty receptive to working with students through that. And different schools have different kind of like mediation policies and protocols. And I would I would say that would be the the best way to do it kind of initially, because if you don't know the other family, you don't know how reactive they're going to be. And it could just make the situation worse, possibly. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, The school could act as the intermediary there. This is a tough one, okay? What if you discover your child may be exhibiting bullying behavior or has been the bully? Um, You know, what are the steps as parents can we take uh, when we find that out? I think, yeah, that's got to be a hard one because as parents, we never want to find fault in our children, right? With this, with this one, I think you got to really approach it, not from a blaming standpoint, but from a kind of a wondering and curious standpoint, trying to catch your kid in a lie, like, oh, did you do this? Did you so, you know, is just going to backfire. So approaching your child calmly, collectively, without blame, but with curiosity, you know, I'm hearing that this is happening. I'm hearing that you're doing these things. I know you're not a bad kid. I know you're a good kid. You know, we know you and I know like good kids can do bad things. That doesn't make that kid a bad kid. So really conveying to your kid, I understand that you are a good person. However, 
I'm hearing that these things are going on. What do you, what is going on for you? Where is this coming from? And really kind of engaging in a kind of, you know, like a wondering process with your child because chances are there's something going on underneath that bullying. There is something a lot of the times, and I would say in this climate, maybe this is also true prior to COVID, it's probably likely to be a mental health issue. I mean, there might be something, if we're talking about like really severe bullying, there really might be something going on for that child that is just being unaddressed. I think also having kind of like logical consequences for your child, if they are the bully, if they're using their phone to bully, then maybe we take the phone away for a week. If they're writing nasty emails, maybe encouraging them to write an apology email, even if they don't send it. This is kind of setting up this mindset of logical consequences. And then, you know, also getting them to kind of flex that empathy muscle a little bit, like what would an apology look like? Um, Getting them to kind of take a little bit of perspective. And then also something you would, you know, want to do is kind of take a little, like, just step back from your house for a little bit and, and see, like, what are the dynamics in our, in our house that maybe we don't intentionally mean to contribute to bullying, but maybe we're, maybe as a family, we're consuming like violent shows. Maybe as a family, we're teasing each other like all the time. Like maybe we're calling the littlest one like little squirt or like something in a kind of mean, taunting way. Um, maybe our family culture is kind of contributing to this sense of, you know, like teasing and meanness um, and then kind of reflecting on that and saying, okay, well, maybe we still want to consume these shows, but maybe we need to talk about them more as a family. Maybe we need to like be a little more reflective of what messages like are being shared in this. And maybe it's humorous or funny, but are these ways we would want to behave in our own lives? Is this a way that we would want to be in the world Um, And kind of asking some of those questions as a family to really start thinking about like what's going on in our home that could be possibly contributing to these kinds of things. It's really taking that time to self-reflect. It sounds that is just a good place to start. You talked about this a little bit when we first began this discussion. But before we wrap, I do want to talk about cyberbullying. As you mentioned, it is it's something that is growing. It is a big concern in the digital age. What advice do you have for parents, for children to navigate these online spaces and then perhaps deal with cyberbullying? So I'm going to say something that will make me incredibly unpopular among all teenagers, delay giving them a cell phone. (laughs) I mean, there is so much evidence now that really points to the earlier children have access to these smart devices the more they're go- they're getting these negative messages, the more, you know, they're going to engage in unhealthy and even harmful social behaviors. The longer we can delay that um, is going to be one of the best things that you can do to protect your child. Then also really like taking use of the parental controls on your on your kids' devices, not giving them free range of things, checking their history checking stuff um, on their phone and having open communication with your kids, like really, you know, checking in with them at dinner, like no phones at dinner, like 
what's going on in your world? Like, who are you talking to? Who are your friends these days? Like, you know, what kinds of things are you looking at on your phone and things like that? Really, that open communication is going to be so important to protecting your child and then letting them know no matter what you're going to, you're going to believe them and you're going to be there for them. Um, I think so many children are met with the message of, okay, well, they did that to you, but what did you do? What did you do? Like, you know, and then all of a sudden a child doesn't want to share anymore with their parent because it's constantly met with, well, somehow it's your fault. Um, And while that may be true and conflict does have, you know, two sides, I think it is important message for parents to say, you know, I am going to believe you and we are a team and whatever you can come to me with, we will be able to work out together. Like nothing, the message I think that is so important for kids to have is nothing that happens to you is brand new. It's all of it has happened before and all of it is going to happen again. And it doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it feel right. And it like none of that means it's okay. But like you are not alone in it. This has been happening forever and it will continue to happen, unfortunately. And so we can get through it because that's that's, you know, that's part of growing up. And that's part of like our role as parents is to help you recognize that even though this pain might feel so enormous and it might feel like life-shattering, you will still get through it. You are not alone. That I think is a real key takeaway when when talking to teenagers, even if having a teenager myself, they don't always want to talk back, but they're, I think they are absorbing some of it. You know, even if it feels like you're talking to a wall sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I'm always surprised to hear the things that like I've said to my kids, what I think have fallen upon like deaf ears and they'll repeat, you know, to their friends later. And I'm like, oh, they were listening. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Tana, if there is one key takeaway that we as parents can do today when it comes to this, what would it be? I would say, I mean, can we go with two, Adrian? Because I don't think I can do it. Absolutely. Okay, let's do two. So I would say one is you know, the connecting with your child, the not aloneness, making sure you're sharing that, whether it's your own stories of adolescence or bullying or, you know, tormenting or whatever, how you got through it, whether it's just sitting with that feeling with your child, um, whether it's just validating how painful that is. So that I think that you are not alone connection piece. And then I think our, my second takeaway would be empathy building. This is so important for both the side of the bully and both the side of the bullied. Starting as young as you can, empathy building exercises, perspective taking as a family, talking about how other people feel, naming your own feelings in front of your kids. The building of the language around feelings and empathy is going to have some of the best, like longest lasting effects. It is so powerful. It actually even, they, There have been studies now that found that this is a side note, but the more children understand feelings and language around feelings, the more successful they are later in life, the more money they make, the more friends they have, the happier they are. And so empathy, you know, building that skill is always going to have such high payoff, whether it's for, you know, raising a kind kid or raising a kid who knows how to, you know, seek out healthy friendships whatever, it's never a lost skill. 
I love it. Donna Gabler, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your insight and your expertise in this. Of course, for more information and more resources, go to wgme.com slash raising me. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Here's what really stuck out to me in that conversation with Tana, and that is the importance of empathy. Teaching our kids to understand other people's perspectives and really think about what they may be going through. Since our conversation, I've been much more aware of talking about empathy for others with my children. Sometimes it's difficult, frankly, to know if it's always registering. However, it is worth trying and in those tough conversations saying, you know, for that person to be acting like that, they must really be going through something. In no way is that meant to excuse somebody's bad behavior, especially if it's a situation where additional help is needed or intervention. However, at least trying to more clearly understand the why behind that behavior, maybe it helps your child to understand that bullying or meanness directed at them isn't even about them. Also, simply showing more empathy to your child who's going through something difficult instead of rushing in and just trying to fix it, which is, you know, something I'm guilty of, that thank you for sharing this. I imagine that felt awful kind of language when they talk with you. What a great way just to make them feel heard. Thank you so much for joining our conversation on Raising Me. I'm Adrienne Stein. This episode was edited by Megan Littlefields. Please take a moment to follow Raising Me. And of course, we greatly appreciate a positive rating and review as well so that other people can find this message. Wherever you are, I hope that you learn something new and get to take a little time for you.